Hey Gabbers, just a quick little warning about today's show. Uh, we definitely talk about some naughty stuff at the very beginning, so you might have some inappropriate language and sexual content. So just a heads up there. But more importantly, uh, the later half of the show does deal with some issues of bullying, mental health, and suicide. So just as a warning, be prepared for that conversation. And of course, thanks for listening to the show. It's time for gabbing with Jason, so hit play and settle down. It's best you just call him Jason when they see him around town. He might as well throw the script away. He never follows it anyway. He's trying to find the joy in every day. So listen up, cause we're gabbing with Jason now. What you've been doing, what's been happening, he's gonna ask it all. You never know where it's gonna go, but it's gonna be a bomb. So make yourself a drink or two. Jason's gonna pour some out of blue. Now he's ready to share some fun with you. So say hello, we're gabbing with Jason now. Welcome to Gabbing with Gason. I'm your host, Gason, or hopefully you all should just know me by now. It's just, you know, little Jason. Little, little Jason here. Um, we're doing this as an early Thanksgiving treat because normally when this episode would air, it'd be Thanksgiving and y'all aren't going to be listening to that because, I mean, you might and I appreciate it if you did, but let's be honest, it's not going to happen. You're going to be too busy worrying about food like I am, so... Or, you know, I like to watch the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special and the Garfield Thanksgiving special because those are a treat. They are classics. I'm not going to lie. The Garfield one isn't the best. Like if you tried to rank the three Garfield specials, there's the Christmas, the Halloween and Thanksgiving. That's the order you put them in. The Christmas one is amazing. It'll bring a tear to your eye. Maybe that's just me. And then uh, the Halloween one is super spooktacular. Uh, and then Thanksgiving is just like, meh. It's like they wanted to make some money. So they said, hey, let's give Garfield a, a Thanksgiving special. It's not really about Thanksgiving. But anyway, so I always watch those on Thanksgiving as I'm either making Oreo cookie balls or whatever ridiculous thing that I want my family to try. One year I made couscous for the family and they did not like that at all. They were, it was a little too much for them. I mean, they enjoyed the couscous. They were just like, why would you make couscous for Thanksgiving? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to try something new. So anyway, it's a lot going on. It's a very short month is what it seems like because we just go straight from Halloween to Christmas or maybe that's just my household. And by me, I mean, as a single Jason, remember, Papa still needs dates. So if you're not a creep and I find you attractive and you want to say, hey, slide into those DMs by sending an email to gabbywithgason at gmail.com. And uh, I'll send you a potential husband application because, you know, it's it's cuffing season. I ain't been cuffed up yet. I'm, I, you know, I'm a catch. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Well, you can hear her giggling. I'd like to introduce my next guesty bestie co-host. It's guesty bestie Tina. Hi. Hello. How are you? I am good. <laughs> See, are. the problem with like the holidays is then you've got to buy them something. It's a lot of stress. I feel like I'm the gift. Oh, well, there you go. I feel like I'm the gift. Like right. the gift of my companionship, the gift of my entertainment value. Right. I would like a gift, though. (laughs) (laughs) We keep joking about doing a Gavin with Gason After Dark podcast for my Patreon subscribers, where we talk about more adult things. And I was thinking, gosh, how great would it be if if I were to read my dating profiles, and I'm putting those in quotes, on those dating apps that we don't want to talk about. (laughs) That would be awesome. And just kind of talk about like, my gosh, I get hit up by the weirdest, most uncomfortable things sometimes. Oh, I can't even imagine. I I don't know if you're supposed to be flattered or not. but I think usually grossed out. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean... You know, I'm gay, so dudes are, doesn't matter if they're gay or straight or whatever, we're still dudes, and guys just say some of the most inappropriate, like, you're like, that's not a hello. <laughs> like, that, that is, first of all, if you're listening and you are interested, swiping in that way, like, grossness is not a way to get me to, to engage in conversation. You know, I don't understand, you know, I even talk, like, if I go to schools and talk about sexting and stuff, like... Where has a male ever read in any article anywhere that a picture of just your penis <laughs> is a wild turn on? Like, it it's not. It's not like, oh my God, this is the guy or this is the person for me now. It's usually like, holy shit. And then you go and show somebody. Yeah, you right? totally show it's other like, people. Yeah, and then you compare sizes. Yeah. No, so, that's exactly what we do. Then, if you are not the biggest in the crop, it's not a good thing for you. Like, so I've never understood why guys put themselves out like that. It's like not good. Oh God, I'm <laughs> oh God, it's so true. But so we're gonna get real explicit here. So we're gonna make sure we hit that e. There are other things that gentlemen take pictures of the back area. Okay. But not just the outer edges. The actual inner asshole? Yeah! <laughs> I was trying to be delicate about it. What? Yeah. What? How? Do, with a camera? <laughs> People Holy are really talented. Crap. Yeah. So they're getting a colonoscopy and they're showing you. I mean, well, it's like what would happen before the colonoscopy, mm-hmm. depending on what chat you're in. Oh. <laughs> because there's a fetish for everything out there. So like a clean out? Uh, Sure. Sure. Oh my god, I'm way too old for this shit. I so that's that's the thing. Like, I I have reached a status, and and you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. That I've I've I'm a little older. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little chubbier. I'm, I'm very furry. I got the beard. So if you're into that, don't forget to hit me up at gavymcfason <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, I'm called a bear. Uh, in, in a subculture of gay men, there's like different subcultures, and so like I'm a bear. Okay. And um, is that like nice, sweet, cuddly? Oh, that would be cute. I mean, just no, it's because I'm fat and hairy. Like that's what. what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, some guys, yeah, it's it's because you're kind of cuddly. So okay. there's bears and bear cubs, which is like a younger bear. And I used to say I was a bear cub, and then one of my friends was like, sweetheart, <laughs> that left about 10 years ago. You need to embrace who you are. So in the I don't coming... want to know what I'd be called. Jesus. Oh, no, I think, I don't know what you'd be called. I'd have to bring on one of my, one of my female friends to be like, hey, I, I don't think, I don't really I don't think there's a know. lot it of. be good. No, no, I don't think there's, I don't think, um, I don't think people who find women attractive subculture you that extensive. Yeah. Uh, I think there's like femmes and butch, I think. Okay. So like more feminine versus more masculine presenting. So I think maybe gotcha. that's as far as it goes. I don't know. I need to bring on another. I need to bring on somebody. I'll have to figure it out. Uh, you know what? I'll bring back guest you, bestie Kristen, and we'll have a whole conversation. Yeah. Because uh, she'd tell us. Um, but yeah, no, like there's like this whole thing with like body hair in, in gay subculture. So it was like a bear. And then there's um, an otter, which is a skinny guy that's furry. Okay. Because they're okay. slender like an otter, right? Which okay, you know what an but otter do otters is. Otters have hair. Yeah, yeah, it's an otter. You know it, an otter? It swims in the river. Oh, not yeah. a beaver. <laughs> an otter. Uh, and then if you're an older otter, you're no longer called an otter. You're called a badger because you have gray chest hair. Okay, <laughs> badgers are gray. <laughs> so, like, I know the cheese, the honey badger. Like, yeah, no, that's not us. Okay, yeah. No, so, no. like, they call him a honey badger because they're like badass. Yeah, right. No. Yeah, honey. Like, yeah, honey badgers don't mess around. They, they will, they will, they will fuck some stuff. They will, they will, they will, they will fuck some stuff up. Yeah. So it's not a honey badger. It's just a regular badger. badger. Yeah, and then if you're a really aggressive kind of like super dominant, um, maybe a little muscly, you're called a wolf because you're okay. super more aggressive. And then, oh god, hold on, where am I at? This is like a whole nother language. And then if you're muscly and hairy, you're a muscle bear. And then if you have no hair and you're just really chubby, you're called a chub. Because there are guys that... It's so... Okay. It's usually just hot or not. Right. No, no, it's not even that anymore. It's like this whole other subculture. So... (laughs) In other countries... So I'm on one app that's more worldly. Okay. Um, and in other countries, gentlemen like myself are in more demand because okay. we have bigger, bigger body types. We're furrier. So I don't want to, I don't want to name nationalities cause that might be rude, but in other countries we're looked at differently. So it's great. Cause like if I went over to somewhere in Asia, right. There we go. I would be a whore <laughs> because there are lots of men in that region. You that would be a whore because you'd be sleeping to a lot of ev- men. Every time. Yeah. I'm okay. Not gotcha. I would be a hooker. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and not like, like a sex worker. I would just be a hooker in the fact that I'd be like hooking them in as fast as possible yeah. because it's, yeah. Um, but then, so that's just based on body type. And then you have like twinks. Do you know what a twink is? No. Okay, a twink is usually a younger, skinny, very hairless, gay identifying man. So okay. a twink. Then there's a twunk, which is <laughs> you've outgrown your twink status, not only in age, but also body type. You start to get a little thicker, maybe more of like a muscle guy. Okay. And then there's like muscle, and then there's a polar bear. Being straight is really fucking boring. Characters. I know! I mean, seriously. So polar bears are like Santa Claus. 
Okay. And I am definitely hit on by Santa Clauses all the time. Really? Do they have Which, like gray? Yeah, like you would think as a fan of Christmas, as I am, yes. that that would be something I want, but it is not. That's just not my, my type. It's like and Father Time. Yeah, like I feel like I'm going to be a Santa Claus probably in about 30 more years. Right. Until I get some more, you know. Well, no, because I'm just now starting to get a little gray in the beard. So if I, if I could drop like 30, 40 pounds and bulk up in muscle, I could be a wolf. I Do you want to be a wolf? Um, I have wolf-like tendencies. I'm very okay. dominant in conversation, in, in relationships. Like, it's just, as you know, I mean, we've worked together for a very long time now. It seems like forever. Right. Um, I commandeer a room very quickly. Like, yeah. when I speak, we listen, like, you will know. So I could be aggressive if necessary, but <laughs> I don't know. this was not at all what I had planned on talking about <laughs> at all. <laughs> So there are apps dedicated specifically to your body type. Okay. So like my friends and I, and I won't say who, but my friends and I are on several of the same apps. And depending on where you kind of body wise, like you could be on, I'm not saying I'm on these. I'm just going to say some names. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's like one that's called Growler, which is for bears. Okay. All right. It's where or bears or chubby guys or any of that group, even otters. Right. It's hard to find an otter on there. I've looked. I mean, I've not looked. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, then there's like another one called Scroff, which is definitely more of like a. Um, how do I want to put this? It's not. I don't like the term manly because I think it's stupid. Um, you could be hyper masculine on there. You could be a wolf. You could be a bear. You could just be a regular like average whatever right so it's definitely a little bit more catered to but it could also be it could also be catered more towards like the kink community or like like if you're into leather and i don't know all the kinks we that's a whole nother that's a definite gabbing with gaysman after dark for sure is there a big like a a big enough community gay community in st louis or is it still really hidden so that's a great question yes because, and I think you see this too when you go into schools and stuff, being out and being allowed to kind of figure out who you are is becoming more accepted. I won't say that it's accepted yet because it's right. not, no. but it's becoming yeah. more and more accepted. So the community itself is growing, but spaces may not be growing to accommodate. And yeah. so what I mean by that is like, I, I used to go to, when I was younger, I used to go to the bars all the time. Like I was at the bars every weekend, living my best life making real bad choices and just having a good time. <laughs> right. And then I got in a relationship and I stopped going to the bars and then I went back to the bars after we broke up. And then I went back to the bars again for the first time, probably it was right before the pandemic hit and it was such a different atmosphere. It was a different vibe and it wasn't a vibe that I liked yeah. um, because I'm old school. Like when, when I talk to older people in the community um, gay bars were a haven. It was a sanctuary. You could be safe there. You could be who right. you were there. And it was just, you know, you had lesbian bars and you had gay bars. And, and I'm sure there were other types as well, but that was kind of like the main thing. And now it's like most of the gay bars are very, everybody's there. Right. And in some cases that's great, but in other cases it's not. Um, 
my biggest pet peeve, you want to know my biggest pet peeve about bars, mm-hmm. is bachelorette parties coming to gay bars acting like that's their space. That is not your space. Right. You will respect us. Right. We're not there for your entertainment. Right. Um, so the community is growing, yes, because it's becoming more socially acceptable. Right. Um, I think their pride festival usually brings in over 200,000 people. That's amazing. And it's like a two and a half day festival, I think. Like, it's crazy. Right. And even where we're at in St. Charles, I mean, it's, we live in a very conservative community, so people right. are still hiding, um, which is totally fine. Like, I would never push somebody out, but um, there's a larger queer community than we think. Right. And it was bigger than what I thought. And looking at, so on these apps, <laughs> <laughs> it tells you how far somebody is away. Right. And you can break it down by age. And so you can literally look at like the, you know, within 10 miles, 15 miles, whatever, and see like it really is a bigger demographic than what I think we think about. Because people don't really think of like Missouri as like right. a gay mecca. Right. Um, but, you know, will we be like New York? No. Will we be like LA? No. You know, we're the, we're the, we're the Midwest. We're part of the, I think we're still, are we technically part of the Bible Belt? Even though I know it goes down through the South, but I feel like it kind of jets up through Missouri a little bit. I don't I know. I don't know. Probably down in that Branson yeah. area, that lower area does. Yeah. So I think as people are starting to, I would say this, it's interesting talking to guys now, as I bring this back to another topic, with my... <clears throat> age and my (laughs) physical prowess uh i have become part of a community that i never really thought i would be it's called the daddy community because you look like you're safe and comforting like a dad okay (laughs) whatever so a lot of guys that hit me up are a little bit younger than i am or in some cases way too young that i have to be like you just graduated high school like um and so comparing it's interesting because i will say this Comparing generations of how men hit on each other, right. the older generation definitely does the grosser texts. Really? The younger generation seems to be more like, hey, what's going on? What are you up to? Yes, they'll still tell you like they're looking for sex or they want right. a relationship. But it seems like for me, now this is just me, and I don't want to speak for everybody, it's just me. But for me, the older generation seems to be much more about the instant gratification versus like, let's date. A relationship, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I I think that's still part of not realizing that society has evolved a little bit more. Right. Like, and so we haven't evolved yet. Um, it's, it's so much more interesting talking to someone who's in college or even, you know, some of the people that we talk to in schools, like figuring out who they are and watching them figure out who they are and being able right. to express themselves. And that's amazing because that's not something I would have ever been able to do in high school. Right. For sure. But... Um, I think it's it's fascinating to me now how many men that I talk to, and I say men as in my age group, so I would say like, what is it? I don't know, 40s and on up, who are now coming out. They've been married, they've had kids, but they weren't able to be who they were. Right. Or we're also realizing that sexuality is a spectrum. Like it's no longer just gay, straight, and right in the middle is bi. Like you right. There's this whole thing going on out there. So I think 
to me, it seems like I talk to a lot more people who are more fluid in the way that they're like, "Mm, I just understand myself better. We attended that safe zone training together. Right. And we talked about, um, one of the people that we work with was really confused about, um, romantic attraction versus sexual attraction and how there was a difference. Right. And I used you as an example. I'm going to use you now too. We can be romantically attracted to people, but doesn't mean we want to have sex with them. And I used you as an example of, I am attracted to strong women or strong people who identify as a female. Like all of my friends that identify as female are very strong um, assertive individuals and those are the people that I surround myself with like every like if I really go through my Rolodex of, of female identifying friends every single one of them is a strong empowered I'm not going to take shit here's what's going to happen um, I don't typically hang out with those that aren't like that right. and it was hard for them to understand like 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 I, I love you because we're okay. friends but I was attracted to our friendship level based on your personality of like, no, here's what we're going to do. This is how we do it. So, um, yeah, not sexually. You can be attracted to somebody. There's a lot of people. There are women and I am straight. Should I just hit the microphone? I am straight and I can be attracted to a personality, a type and be mesmerized by like the knowledge somebody has or their compassion or what they believe in or what they've done but it doesn't mean I want to have sex with them. It just means that I'm like, wow, holy shit. That person is amazing. Like, yes, I want to know that person. And I don't think, I would say even 20 years ago, we would be having this conversation because we didn't have an understanding that there could be varying levels of attraction. And just because you're attracted to somebody doesn't mean it's sexually. Right. And so seeing these people growing up in, you know, like there's kids now that have never known a world without gay marriage. Right. And I remember being in high school and hearing somebody was doing a civil union and being like, what's that? Right. What is that? Oh, that's an opportunity for me. Uh, And I remember when gay marriage was legalized and I just remember sitting there crying on my couch for like five minutes trying to be like, oh my gosh, this is what's happened. Right. Which it wasn't that long ago if you think about it. Right. It really wasn't. So, um, yeah. And I think as kids grow up and we're allowing them the opportunity to figure themselves out instead of saying there's only one way or that way. And that way is the bad way. It's, it's fascinating to me because I'll be on these apps and I'll see somebody that says, Oh, I'm ACE. And immediately I'm like, Oh, okay. So what kind of ACE are you romantic? Are you asexual? Like what? And then I, and then I question like, why would you be on a dating app? And then it makes me go, okay, well, Maybe they don't want to have sex with somebody, but they still want to be in love. They still want to be in a relationship, just not have that physical intimacy. Right. Which is to totally be fine. If that's what the other person wants. Right. If you're both, you know, if that's how you both identify and you're going to come together. Right. 110% live your best life. Absolutely. But we never talked about that. Like, I think about an aunt that I have. <laughs> Always goes she, back to family, right? She doesn't, she doesn't listen to the show. Um, she would not. First of all, I don't. I know she knows I'm out. She's super Catholic. I'm pretty sure she hates it. Um, That's just I, too damn bad. I would. I know. I think for me, like I would look at her now, and you know, never married. Don't know if she was where she identifies, but. We used to say like, oh, that's you know, somebody's an old maid, which is such a horrible phrase, <laughs> right? But maybe that person just hasn't found maybe that person doesn't want that physical intimacy and they haven't found that person that also doesn't want that 
that still wants to be and then there's some people that don't want anything and that's there's nothing wrong with that like live if that makes you happy live your best life right it's so i don't know sexuality and attraction is absolutely one of the most fascinating things that i feel like we still haven't done enough research on to ever be and maybe we won't I don't know. Right. I think in like a hundred years we won't have gender. I don't think we'll have sexuality anymore. I think we'll just have people. Right. I and, hope. And that's where we should be. But right. Know. Maybe not a hundred years. Uh, some folks got to die out first. <laughs> <laughs> I think quite a few have to. I mean, people are awful. There are some really just jackasses out there, but yeah. I mean, I think it it really sucks that kids have to in high school most of them try to be something that they're not to try to conform with what they feel their community is saying and they have to act and be and put on this mask all of the time once they finally graduate then try to figure out a way to be able to come out and be themselves and you look at all of those years that they've had to do that and it really sucks and, but I understand how, I mean, I, I am straight, but the thing is, I worried about what everybody thought of me, how I dressed, mm-hmm. how I mm-hmm. acted. And to imagine that on top of it would be really, really rough. And I, I'm hoping that at some point in time, it will get better. You know, we know that kids who are, you know, struggling with their identity or who are openly gay transgender whatever it may be struggle and we know they get made fun of we know that they get teachers negative comments Mm -hmm. things that happen and i want to be able to live in a world where people can be people i love the shows that show a gay couple together but it's not the main focus of the show so it's not like this show of you have to uh oh here's the gay couple or here's the gay women or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be yeah it's just a relationship amongst all kinds of relationships Mm -hmm. like i just finished shameless oh such a good show it's such have you watched the last season okay so i will not give it away but no (laughs) i will not but you know when did you watch the season before? Where's where the, I stopped at? I, I know. Did I, you see Ian and Mickey get married? Yes. Okay. Okay. So yes. yeah, I sobbed at that. I mean, first of all, it is the most dysfunctional family in the entire world. It makes you think that you have like the most normal life. Mm-hmm. But in the end, watching that, you know, I cried watching it because just because of it's two people who love each other. Same as Shit's Creek, watching David, and the entire time it was like the coolest show because, you know, he showed just different sides of his sexuality and that he just liked the person. Mm-hmm. And it, that's where I wish our world could be, just accepting people. Love is love and, you know, being that way. And I guess it's why we... We all keep fighting and pushing for equality and it's pushing true. for people to be able to have that ability. 100% agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Um, I hate on a show when I feel like there's a forced gay character, like to be right. like, oh, look, we've got a gay character. Or, right. Because it doesn't, like, 
being gay is a part of who I am. It doesn't define. It's not right. my definition. Like my right. definition is Jason. Right. I am ridiculous. I'm a bitch sometimes. <laughs> if you ask certain other people all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, I have a podcast. Like there's so many different parts of me that just being gay is a part. And it's like, I love a show that says, yeah, we got a gay character. Or we got a gay couple. Right. Um, we've got uh, somebody who's trans and it's a part of who they are. And yeah, there might be a storyline or two about it. Right. But it's never the focus. But the focus right. is like I love, um, what is it? Nine one one Lone Star. Oh my god, I love that show. I've so not watched much. that. So it's the spinoff of Nine One One. Okay, I didn't watch that either. That's okay. So Nine One Lone Star has Rob Lowe. Okay. And he's like the fire captain. Chief okay, dude. And he his son is By also. By the way, he talks about an Adkins bar that he says is really good and it sucks. Well, I mean, he's getting paid. Come on he's now. getting paid. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that peanut butter chocolate, I bought it, and Rob Lowe lied. It sucks. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the show description. Rob Lowe's lies. <laughs> so on the show, he has a kid uh, whose name, uh, his son's name is TK, and he's played by what I can only describe as the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life, Ronan Rubenstein. I think it's, it's either Steen or Stein. Um, and he, um, he's just, oh my God. I have to look him up. So he's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a gay character and he struggled with addiction, um, and a couple of other things. And so him being gay was never really the focus of the show until he got a love interest who is also one of the most beautiful men alive. Who's, I can't think of the actor's name. It's fine. His boyfriend's name is Carlos, but they also have a trans actor playing, uh, one of the fire. Is that uh, him? Yeah, that's my, oh, he's that's, beautiful. That's my boo someday. Yeah, I mean, he's like um, a And model. we love him because Gorgeous. he came out as bi two years ago. Okay. Um, and the actor that plays his boyfriend is also openly um, gay. Okay. So um, their relationship is a huge part of the show. Watching he's them from Israel? Together. Yeah, he's, he's just... I have, I've watched his career. Like, he was on another show that was yeah, really, really bad. Yeah, he's beautiful. I, I think it's gorgeous. He needs to fall in love with me and... <laughs> marry me and yeah if you seriously if you want to get me a gift get me a get me a, i think he's on cameo you know cameo you know what cameo is yeah. it's the app where you get actors to like yes. say something nice about your friend he's on there so if anybody wants to spend some money get him to say hey boo and uh, <laughs> i will i will love you till the day that i die uh but anyway it's part of the show but it's never just 100 percent like a focus like it's just a part of their characters and, the, and they fall in love and it's beautiful and and um uh i I don't know so i agree because i just hate when it's like oh we're gonna shoehorn this in so we can be socially relevant and then you do nothing with that character or you kill that character off within the first like three or four episodes and it's like what was the point of even having them there's a really horrible industry trend out there where usually and for some reason it's a lot of lesbian characters get killed off within the first couple episodes of a show my husband derek says same thing with black people yes and no it's, it's he's true black and so yeah. he's always like damn the black person got killed off already already and it's this <laughs> thing where it's like well were you baiting us then were you we call it queer baiting like oh, you're really? like oh yeah we're gonna do this or there's a lot of shows that know uh did you ever watch the show supernatural no okay that's fine i guess i'm lame no that's okay <laughs> It was good for the first like six seasons. I think it ended on like season twelve or thirteen. Okay, I watched the ended. Arrow. Okay, until well, he cried. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and then and then I was done. It wasn't good anymore either. I I stopped after season four. I think of it. Yeah, I was yeah. done of him always whining. Woe is me. Yeah, Woe is me. He got real whiny. Yeah, and I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So 
with, with Oh my god, what was I saying? The show. Supernatural. Yeah, Supernatural. They're two brothers played okay. by two very attractive men. Um, one of them was on Days of Our Lives, and that's all I cared about. So <laughs> But the show, people would ship them. Do you know what a ship is? It's what, like it's a it's a I mean like, a ship in the water? Yeah. Well, so in TV world, you ship two characters. You want them to come together. Oh, so you okay. ship them into a relationship. Ship in the night? Yeah, so ship well, that depends that's a whole different kind of a ship. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> So the show is shipping them together. People are like, oh, I want them together. Well, they play brothers on the show, but there's a lot of people that felt like they flirted a little too much. Oh. And so they were like shippers of wanting the two brothers together. And so like some shows flirt with certain things. And we call that queer baiting because they're baiting you to want to watch the show because you think this is going to happen or you think the quote unquote straight character is going to be with the gay person and then you find out that it's not going to happen. And that, that's another trope, too, that we see a lot when you have a gay character and you're like, oh, I would love them to be with this person. Glee did it a couple of times by accident. Um, and then I'm trying to think of some other shows that have done it. There's so many out there that they tease you with a potential and then right. it, never, it never happens. Who? Oh, oh, The Falcon and Winter Soldier um, on Disney+. Plus. There's a lot of people that truly believe that those two characters were meant to be, like, boyfriends. And there was a lot of, like flirtiness and the director came out and was like oh no we're not gonna do that but yet you still kept adding in extra long looks you added in uh parting glances you added in this flirty kind of thing and right. so it's like you're you're baiting your audience to think something's gonna happen and then you reveal that it's not and it's like well why even bait with that like just right. if they're gonna be bros have them be bros right like there's a difference between like messing around with your best friend in a way of like making fun of each other or right, you know sure. rest, wrestling whatever <laughs> wrestling. um and flirting right and to me those two characters were flirting there was not that chummy buddy buddy stuff that you see with other like straight bros I don't right like that word but whatever um and so you could clearly tell they were like baiting the audience because it attracts more viewers. You're like, oh, yeah. look at this. It's going to be this two superheroes being together. Like, no, and it wasn't that at all. So, oh, look, look at all the terms we're discussing tonight. It's not even, this is nowhere on my list. <laughs> it's not even. Queer baiting. Um, <laughs> but it's true. And if you think about it in like movies too, like your husband said, like, man, horror movies for the past, I don't know, 30 years. You were killed off immediately. The black right. character was always killed off first. Yes. Yeah. Every time. Right. And you're like, man. <laughs> what? I, Scream 2, spoiler alert. People were like crazy because Jada Pinkett Smith was going to be in it. She was in the opening scene and she was killed. Right. And then you're like, wait, what? Like she was billed as this, what? I know. What? It's always like, damn, it's always the black person going it is, first. It is. It's the, it's the black person. It's the gay character. Also, there's a great show out, Chucky. Do you remember the, the movie's Child's Play with the killer doll? Uh, yeah, that was one of Megan's favorite movies. Oh, really? Oh, well, God, now... she loves scary, creepy movies. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, well, Chucky has his own TV series now. Okay. And he was, and it it's, takes place after all the movies, so everything that happened in the movies happened in the show. And he gets picked up at a garage sale by this boy who is queer identifying. Now, he says he's gay, which is great, so I'm going to use that going forward. Uh, he's a tween. Okay. I think maybe like 14 and um, he has a crush on another boy. It's so cute. <laughs> um, who's a podcaster, which is, okay. I just love. Cause I was like, Oh, it's like a little Jason. <laughs> um, and Chucky 
is Chucky kills the kid's dad because the kid's like, dad, you, the dad was an alcoholic and the dad's really mean to the kid. And he is upset and they're yelling at each other. And the kid's like, the only reason you're mad is because you don't like it that everyone knows that I'm gay. And as soon as he says I'm gay out loud, the dad just starts beating on him. And he's like, you don't say that. You never say that to anybody. And so Chucky is like, okay. So Chucky kills him. And he's like, dude, that guy deserved it. And in (laughs) Child's Play 5, I think it was. I don't know. Chucky and his wife doll, Tiffany, who's played by Jennifer Tilly, uh, have a baby with the real life Jennifer Tilly. This is so crazy. Anyway. So when they have the baby, the baby comes out and, and it's a full-grown child, basically. And the child identifies as genderqueer, which at the time, I think they were doing it as a joke versus now. So Chucky's talking to the kid about being gay. And he's like, you know, I, I don't do a good Chucky, but he's like, I got a queer kid. <laughs> and the kid's looking at him and he's like, gender fluid. He's like, but I love him. I'm not a monster. And I was like, but you are. You're killing people. <laughs> And but it's cool to see that there is a a lead storyline for tweens or teens, I guess I should say, showing the struggle of coming out. And this is the main star. Now maybe he'll die. I really don't think that he will, but I think he's gonna end up stopping him. But it's it's interesting to see that now not only because in other tween shows and stuff like that, like there would be a gay character or a trans character, and they would be a subplot. Or whatever, but right. this time you've got your main cast, like your main character is uh, right. an out gay teen. So it's like, wow, how I would have never thought to see that when I was a kid. That right. would have never crossed my mind to ever see anything like that. Um, which kind of brings us back to full circle of of what we were talking about. Like the more we allow kids to be who they are, right? The now does he get bullied? Yeah, there's a yeah. girl in there that I don't uh, I don't advocate punching somebody in the throat. <laughs> But <laughs> she deserves it. Yeah, oh my gosh, she's she's probably one of the most heinous characters on TV. Um, yeah, I mean the cruelness. You sometimes just wonder, but it, it's there. It mm-hmm. it happens, and you do just want to knock them out just to make them feel the pain. Yeah, isn't it just so? You do a lot of talks about bullying and suicide awareness in school, right? Where do you think bullying comes from? We're totally 360 in it now because it kind of feels like this would be a good time to talk about it. Where do you mm-hmm. think that starts? Do you think that starts from parents? Do you think it starts from peers? Like, how does it happen? I mean, I think that, yes, it can start at home. Um, if the family dynamic, if the parents, you know, are sarcastic, mean, hurtful to one another or within the family, yeah, they're going to hear that. If they hear them calling names to one another, yes, they're going to hear that. Um, But it's also then when they get in school trying to figure out where they fit in. Mm -hmm. And when kids don't fit in um, to whatever the group is in that school, they will sometimes, you know, try to figure out how to push into those groups. But a lot of times they just don't fit in. You will then sometimes see those kids either one flip and turn where they will start calling names. They mm-hmm. will kind of, you know, so those kids that have been picked on and bullied and even go through things at home will then turn around and flip it and they'll start pushing back. But, uh, you know, it's, 
bullying is, it's all about our self-confidence, our self-worth. And if we struggle with anything and somebody knows that and they want to use it against us and start targeting us, it can bring you down quickly. You Mm -hmm. can be a confident person. You can do well in school, but your best friend knows something, a secret about you, about your family, about something that you're insecure or worried about. And all of a sudden they tell somebody else and they tell somebody else. And now all of a sudden people start commenting, making, you know, laughing gestures to you and you struggle. You can crumble in a second. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to be able to come back from that. Um, I think bullying, we always talk about it's always got to be a hurt person hurt somebody else. Sometimes what they show is that it's also those popular kids. (laughs) Those kids that... Mm -hmm. are um you know the families are do well in the community the kids have good grades they are in sports they're in stuco these are the kids that feel owed they feel that they are at a level that they can do whatever they want and they're pretty untouchable and so you will see those kids that can start doing little tiny things the teachers do not ever really see them as being the bad ones. Of course not. Right? So it's always the kid that comes up and says, so-and-so is saying this, so-and-so is doing this. And they look and they're like, no, it's the one that's complaining. Mm-hmm. You're causing the problem. The other kids laugh and kind of walk away because they feel untouchable like they can do that. And so it's... That is a really hard dynamic, too, that you see those kids because they feel, again, untouchable. Right. Do you think, because you obviously do more into this than I do, is there gender lines? Like, do you see it like one gender more as a bully than the other? Or is it just the different ways? Or is there a different type of bullying that one, does like more physical bullying happen with, with let's just use the term boys, than girls? Whereas girls, it's more mental bullying? Or do you think it's the same? No, so in elementary school, you will see more of that physical Mm -hmm. um, between the boys. Um, It is trying to figure out your masculinity. Yeah. You know, it's the pushing, it's the taking your stuff, it's going in the bathroom, punching your arms. You know, I've heard of a million things of, you know, you get punched in the arm three different places and to see if you can handle it every day. And, you know... (laughs) It's the, those types of things to be able to see, can you handle, are you tough? Mm-hmm. You see girls, it's more of the name calling. It's more of the rumors. It's the isolation. It's the, you know, I, I, girls and jealousy mm-hmm. is like the most crazy thing. I think jealousy destroys so much because girls can be jealous of somebody's family. They can be jealous of their looks. They can be jealous because of their friendship that they have with somebody else. They can be jealous because they do really well at sports. They can be jealous for a million things. And it doesn't take much. The second that that other girl feels like she is, you know, jealous and not getting what the other girl does, they will flip on them. Quick, And what they will do is start going around and saying, well, so-and-so, do you know what she said about you? Or, oh my God, did you hear about her dad? Or she can't, I mean, I've heard the most ridiculous things of, 
she can't do a back bend, so she can't sit with us at lunch. Yeah, seriously. Okay. That's in second grade. <laughs> I was um, like, what grade is that? It's, you know, the older that they get um, for girls, it can definitely be, it's the, first, girls don't ever forget about anything. They remember everything, how you've made them feel, where you made mm-hmm. them feel that. Um, they will get mad and they will go and sneak around and do whatever they can do to get everybody to isolate and stay away from you so that they feel more power. But we do that as humans. Mm -hmm. If we get mad at somebody else in a workplace, we want to then say, oh, well, do you know what they did with this project? Do you know about this? Do you know about that? So they can feel like, oh, yes, I, you are the greatest. Yes, you are wonderful. And then you get to watch the other person over there really struggling. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, aha, I have it now. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's a power struggle. It's the power dynamic. And it's really hard to teach that to somebody. How do you stand up against that time and time again? It's hard. So as a, as a kid that didn't want to come out as gay, yeah. I had my fair share of the bullets. Um, I, I, will, I will always remember the moment life changed. Um, I had a ton of friends in sixth grade. Now, when I went to school, sixth grade was not junior high. That was still part of elementary. Seventh and eighth grade was junior high. Okay. And I had a ton of friends when I was in sixth grade. Like, I had this really dynamic group of people we always hung out at recess together we were in classes together we made sure we sat together we knew who was boyfriend and girlfriend and all of those things right and the first day of seventh grade no one talked to me all of my friends stopped immediately and i was like did i do something like i don't know what's happening here right and i mean none of them like people that i shared secrets with people that you know we talked on the phone at night and it was like i don't understand what did i do and there is a person that i'm friends with now it took us a long time to get there Mm -hmm. uh but one of the one of the bullies i'll never forget we were in class doing something and he said something to me and i said something back and he's like well jason it's because everybody knows you're gay and I was like, what? And he's like, you're a fag. Everybody knows you're a fag. Like, we all talk about you. You're a fag. That's just what it is. You're gay. And I remember being like, for years, I honestly, and this is my friends and I still laugh at this, I thought there was another Jason out there that was gay. And I was really mad at that person because I was like, people think that they're me, but it's not me because I'm not gay. Right. And I didn't get like the physical bullying in junior high. I got it more in high school. And I remember getting shoved into a locker. I remember getting pushed around. Um, have hor- I mean, I used to have horrible things shouted at me in the hallways. And what's interesting is that a lot of people don't remember that now. Like, of my friends from high school were like, well, we never heard that. And I was like, why would you? You were with me. Right. Right? Like, I'm an easier target when I'm by myself. Right. And it was my sophomore year. Sophomore year? And there were two guys that just, I mean, they were relentless with me. One of them was actually my, was my best friend in like the third grade. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just relentlessly just tormenting me and saying like just horrible things. And I remember some random senior stood up for me once and was like, would you two shut up? Like what, like leave him alone. Like what's, oh my God. Right. And I remember they caught me outside one day by myself and they were pushing me and I was like, this is the day I am going to 
I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to have to tell my parents how I'm going through this. Right. And cause I didn't, I wasn't going to tell anybody in the school. I mean, I grew up in a country town. Like I was the weird kid cause I did drama anyway. And, um, you know, it's a high school fight. So as soon as people start seeing shoving, everybody starts circling up. Right. And I talk about when I talk to kids sometimes, or when I was doing speeches and stuff for the pride org that I was with, I talked about there are times where we find our voice, we lose our voice a lot when we're younger because we're right. we're too scared to say what we think. And I remember on that day, I was like, well, you're going to get your ass beat pretty bad. Right. So you should, you're not, you don't know how to fight. You're going to swing and look like a girl anyway. So you might as well just say whatever you're going to say and let it go. And so they kept calling me a faggot and... And they were like, swing at us, faggot, swing at us, come on. And they were, I mean, they were just circling me. And I was like, and all I remember saying, and I remember being surprised, but I remember saying out loud, I just have a question. Before you beat me up, why does it take two guys to beat up one faggot? And everybody got quiet for a second when somebody was like, oh, Jason, y'all hear what he said? And then two dudes out of nowhere that I've never met before walked up and they're like, it's done. This is done. You're not going to touch him. Because the question is, is why is it taking two of you? Right. And the dynamic changed. And I realized that, okay, so people are still going to talk about me. But these two aren't going to touch me anymore. And I don't know if it's because I found my voice at that moment. Because I was like, well, what else do I got to lose? Like, right. I'm going to go down swinging either way. But And my relationship with my bully changed that day as well. Did he still bully me? Yes. But it was different. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was so weird. Because it wasn't physical anymore. And it wasn't so much like saying the awful things to me. It was still like, he was still an asshole. But right. it it was so different. And I'll never forget, I got a part in the, the play. And it was a big deal. Because everybody was like, oh my god, you're a sophomore. And you got this part in the play. And, and my understudy was this weird kid who was a little too extra. And he was super mad. Because he was like, you don't have any talent. And I was like, well, obviously I do. <laughs> Uh, he got cast as my understudy, which was like sweet justice in itself, right? right? Absolutely. But he said something about how, um, I guess I need to learn my lines. And I go, yeah, just in case I'm ever sick. And he's like, there's other reasons you could miss the performance. And I go, what? And he's like, I'm just saying something could happen to you. And oh. and I was like, is that a, th- are you threatening me over right. a part in the play? Right. I was like, we're in a small town. Right. And I remember talking to uh, one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends today about it we were in class and my bully was in class with us and he goes what happened and i was like and i told him the story and he goes he threatened you and i go i don't know what do you think and he's like that was a threat he's like nobody threatened you but me and i was like you're so dumb right and we left class that day and i found out later the day he went and beat that kid up my bully beat up a kid that threatened me and he's like you don't ever threaten him again and i was like what where is this dynamic at i'm so confused because Less than six months ago, that was you. Right. So I don't understand. I guess I still, as an adult, I have my theories as an adult. But again, it was like, how does how does your bully become your friend? I think sometimes they are bullying because they, they know what they're doing when they're mm-hmm. doing it. They do. Um, sometimes they will amp things up because of the audience that they have Mm. or the friends that they're around. So if they are friends with somebody who is, you know, hyper-masculine and knows that you had a friendship with them, 
they are going to try to make them prove that they are not gay. Mm. Because if they are friends with you in school, then if they're friends with somebody who is gay, oh my God, you must be gay. If you're transgender, oh my God, you're friends with somebody who's transgender, you're going to be transgender. Mm-hmm. I mean, they think it, it's that dumb. They right. think that. Right. And so sometimes they will be hyper, you know, just devoted to doing those things to you to be able to try to prove to everybody else they're not gay. Mm-hmm. And then with that flip, I think it's one of those things that he probably still had to hold up his side of, hey, I'm going to be a little bit of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stand up for you over here, but I'm still going to be a little bit of a dick because I I need to hold the sign that I am not gay. Right. So interesting to Isn't me. Isn't it crazy? It's so weird. I mean, and high school is, well, I, kids are vicious. Yeah. I mean, kids are just vicious. Like I see stories, you know, I like the Tic Tac. I watch the TikTok. I'm not on. I don't. I don't do anything oh, on God, the TikTok. Don't say the TikTok. The you TikTok. Sound like I know. I the love Trump. To say, I know the TikTok. <laughs> um, the Trump. And um, <laughs> there's a lot of talk about like bullying, and you see like these kids posting videos, and you're like, why are you posting a video instead of just doing something about it? Like, right. But it goes back to that. I guess it goes back to that mentality of you're right. I never really thought about it. Like, oh, I have to show that I'm not this thing. Right. That you identify as, or that we don't even know. We don't even know if that kid was gay. Yeah, like right. clearly I was a big mo, but still, I wasn't out yet. I didn't tell anybody yet. I right. still hadn't figured out who I was yet. Um, you all were just making an assumption, right? Right. So, um, it's I don't know. It's just it's so weird to me. But then it starts to go further, and I don't get. And I know that teachers knew. I know that teachers knew. Mm-hmm. And then as an adult, why don't we make a decision? Why do we as adults allow it to continue to happen? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because those adults may have not liked you being gay either. Truth. You know, if it's a small little country town. Mrs. Smith, I still remember you. You were the worst teacher I ever had. I mean, I'm telling you, there can be phenomenal teachers that are within those school walls Mm -hmm. that help kids live and survive every day but there can be rotten ass teachers mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. those walls that hold judgments that hold grudges that believe that they are holier than thou mm-hmm. and their religious background and you are you know this heathen satan how dare you and the reality is I, i've said in presentations before to teachers which i'm sure there is probably some little voodoo dolls out there somewhere that are probably stabbing me. It's probably why I have to take Motrin and Tylenol sometimes because there's a teacher somewhere that's like stabbing me. But if you're going to work in a public school system in the United States, okay, that allows people to have these freedoms, right, to be able to express themselves, to be able to identify as they are, you then need to go back and work in a religious school mm-hmm. that does not allow anything, right? Correct. I that would agree you, 100%. You must come into this school and you must be straight and you must be this and you mm-hmm. must be that. Do not work in a public school system 
you don't belong there then if you are going to have judgments against races and cultures mm-hmm. and gender identity and all of that get the hell out retire or move on yeah 100% because agree. you are destroying i wish i had an applause kids. button i would have hit it right there <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've gone to I, i've gone and talked to you know your story and all of these stories it's horrifying to yeah. think that we live in this world and this is what kids go through when we have enough shit to deal with every yeah. single day. Yeah. And I remember I was in, it was um, up almost at the Canadian border and it was um, native uh, on a native land. Mm-hmm. And I went there to the school and went and did some presentations. One of the kids came up to me afterwards and said, um, thank you for mentioning about students who are, you know, lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, instead of saying the queer community, which I've been now, you've told me I can do. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't get in trouble, I, I you know, yeah, I, I want to well, be respectful. That's yeah, the thing. It just depends on who your, your audience is and what right. they expect. So like I, wanna, I say queer community because to me, I want to make sure I'm, I'm getting everybody. Right. Um, some people would rather you define that community and that's fine. Right. It's a lot of defining that has to happen, but right. And then follow up with the queer community. Right. That's what, that's how I do it. But again, right. I want to be respectful in however somebody identifies. And so he, you know, came up and he'd said, you know, I just really appreciate it. And he said, I've really struggled. And I said, what's going on? He said, you know, I am gay. And, I said, okay. And he said, well, I was getting picked on and bullied a lot. And the principal told me that, well, maybe I shouldn't act the way that I act or dress the way that I act. And it wouldn't happen like that. And I said, I am so sorry. That is not okay. You are able to act as who you are. I can't act anything other than who I am. Mm -hmm. I am not, I don't identify just because I'm straight. I don't walk into a room and, oh, hey, I'm straight. Right. Right. It's, I walk, I'm Tina. I, this is what I care about. I believe in. And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, it's to know that this shit still happens daily makes me sick. Do you, do you find a lot of kids come up to you after each time you do a presentation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good that they feel safe, but that's how it was every time I did a presentation for our organization was, yeah. I, I want to come out to my parents. Can you tell me the right way to do it? And I was like, oh my God, there's no right way. Right. It's, you know, or how do I, how do I do this? And I'm like, well, my story is, is unique. My story is different. All of our stories are different. There's right. no, oh, I want to tell them on Christmas. Like, that's a great joke, but that doesn't mean you want to do it right. at that time. Like, everybody is different. And it's hard when someone asks you for advice and you're like, I I can't tell you how to live your story. Right. I can tell you what mine was like. Right. And then asking like, what do I do? You know, it's interesting when you do a, a, a public speech or presentation and you do it in a way that creates that safety experience. Right. right? So there's that safety environment that people feel so safe afterwards to come and talk to you. And people come up and said some of like the worst, some of the most hardest things I've ever had to hear Right. And ask, how do I handle that? And I'm like, I'm not a counselor. Right. I am not a professional. Like, one, that you need to go to the police. Or, 
you know, you need to talk to this person or do you have a support network or, you know, and so I always find it a little bit harder when, when that happens. Cause you're like, well, here's what I can do for you right. is do this, this, and this. So after you do your presentation, you do one to the students and then you do one to the staff or is it vice versa? Or it one just or the other? depends on what the school wants. Mm. You know, if it was, if, if we could really have make a big difference, it would be speak to the parents, speak to the educators, speak to the students. Right. Mm. And, um, and then have all of your outside community mental health supports that are there that are available mm-hmm. because when we start talking about topics, talking about, you know, whatever it may be, we want to make sure that those kids, if they feel that now they ha- their voices are, can be heard, they feel empowered to speak up on whatever that is, we need to then give them a platform, a place to be able to go. Yeah. And so that's the worst thing that you can do is – come in and speak to them. No one talks to the parents. No one says anything to the educators. There's one counselor in an entire school, even if they've got it. And then now you say, listen, your voice matters. Mm -hmm. And then they can't get into a counselor or they can't. And that's the part that it really sucks with this because I can't demand a school do certain things. I always feel like, if a school contacts me, I will say, you know, really being able to talk to parents, being able to do something for educators and something for students is huge. But if you're only going to give me one shot and say, listen, you can come in, it's the students, then I'm going to ask you to have your counselors available. I'm going to ask you to bring in some community help. If you don't, guess what? I'm still going to come talk because then I'm going to give them the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I'm going to tell them to go to our website, which has all kinds of resources. I'm going to tell these kids that that sometimes it's hard to go to adults. And sometimes you want to be able to tell if whether it is opening up about your sexuality, whether it is you're struggling with suicide, whatever that may be, it's really hard to tell adults. And sometimes when you tell them, even loving adults, you don't get the response that you want. Mm-hmm. You can get shut down really quick. Yeah, don't definitely. talk like that. Don't say that. Do you know how hard we've worked to, to support you? Do you know for many different reasons? And I explained to them that you can calmly try to tell them again. Say, I really need you to hear my voice. This is how I'm feeling. This is who I am. This is what it is. And if they still do not listen, do not take that time, you move right past them. Yeah, go to someone else. You go to another trusted adult. If you cannot go to a trusted adult, you call these places. You call, you know, wherever it may be. It gets better project. You call, you know, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can call all these places because there are people that do care. Your life matters. It's sometimes those people that are closest to us that maybe will never get it. I mean, I'm open and honest with them because... I don't want to ever say, oh, your family loves you and they will get it in time. Sorry. Sometimes that's not real. And so you have to be open with them and say, sometimes your family will never get it. We, you know, I mean, my grandfather that I loved didn't talk to me for two years when he found out that I was dating a black man. So you go cross those lines of family boundaries sometimes 
and they will cut you off. Absolutely. And, you know, so to be able to say to them, oh, they're going to love you and support you is not always true. You have to be able to say, if they don't, you still matter. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it's hard. I think for a lot, I think that's a, a reason that a lot of gay youth don't come out until after they've graduated and they've right. got a steady job or they're in school somewhere where they're not so financially dependent. Right. Because if I am cut off, then what do I do? Right. Um, do you mind talking about your, your organization? You want to talk about it? No, sure. Bit? Tell people what, what you does, what I does, what she does. Ooh, it's a mixed bag of nuts. I'll tell you. It is. There's a lot going on. <laughs> so I started the Megan Meyer foundation in December of 2007. My daughter, Megan, um, took her own life at the age of 13 um, on October 17th of 2006. So she was cyberbullied by an adult neighbor um, pretending to be a young boy on MySpace at the time. Um, And it was all a hoax. Um, Unfortunately, Megan took her own life. um, And we found out weeks after Megan died by suicide that these, this adult neighbor was involved. Um, the whole purpose and reason she created this fake account, now this woman lived four houses down the street from us. I was a real estate agent at the time, and I sold them the house four houses down the street. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And she, how old was she? Uh, oh, Megan, 13. The, uh, and no, the, the mother. And the, yeah, and the lady. She was 46 at the time. Mm-hmm. So okay. the biatch is what, uh, like 60, 61 now, something like that. Um, but her daughter and my daughter, Megan had been friends since the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So now in seventh, Megan was switching different schools cause she had gone through a lot of bullying. Um, and they heard that Megan called her daughter a lesbian. Now, oh, wow. Okay. I don't know. Megan wasn't perfect. If Megan did, I was the type that would have said, are you kidding me? First of all, you know what it feels like to be picked on or made fun of or called names. But if Megan did the, you know, I I should have known about it. I would have talked to Megan about it. The reality is I don't think Megan did. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, oh, my kid was perfect. That's not the case. They created this fake account to gain Megan's confidence. So they created this fake boy Talked to Megan for six weeks. Megan never said a word. Never talked about Sarah. Never did any of those things. Mm -hmm. If she was going to do that, she would have done it by then or said something. The reality is, is that they wanted to gain Megan's confidence to find out if she was talking about her daughter behind her back. But um, I always talk about, I don't think is, is disgusting and sick as this woman is I don't think that she did it thinking Megan was going to take her own life Mm -hmm. I think she did it um because she thought it was funny because she thought if Megan was not friends with her daughter anymore haha get her back how dare her I'm going to show her and that's what happens and so we talk about it when you're on social media and you do that you don't know what somebody's life is on the other side of that phone, that computer, that iPad, whatever you're on, gaming device. Your words, your actions, your thinking it's funny or a joke can be absolutely devastating. Um, the woman is sick and twisted and so is her husband. Um, because even after Megan died, 
um, before we found out they were involved, they invited us to their daughter's birthday. They took my daughter out walking around for Halloween. They invited us to the husband's birthday party. They stored Christmas presents in the garage for their kids for Christmas. So it's almost like... All the while knowing. Oh, all the while. Absolutely sick, psychopath bitch. Um, And as you can tell, 15 years later, I still have not forgiven her. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I mean... It like still boils if I have to think about her, it boils inside. And, um, you know, it's like those people that you see in these 911s or wherever it is, mm-hmm. these shows that they start the fire or that they yeah. go and hurt somebody, rape somebody, kill somebody, and they always come to the scene to watch all of that trauma, yep. all of that grief, all of that. And that's what they did, you know. And while I don't hold on to that vengeance and that anger every day I use that to the foundation really is the what I do but I've always said someone will ask me in a presentation if I forgave them because they'll say you know you have to forgive for you to forgive and forget sorry nobody could see me I just rolled my eyes (laughs) and I've said before because I don't sugarcoat it here's what I will tell you if we were in the desert Sahara Desert, 150 degrees out, and I had 40 gallons of fresh, cold water, and they needed a drop to survive, I would pour the entire bitch down in the water, into the (laughs) sand. They would not get a drop. Sorry to tell you. And that may be cruel, whatever. It, I really, unapologetically, I don't care. Sure. Because it's for me what I have to deal with, and I... I have forgiven the the younger daughter that was involved, like myself, I've forgiven because she was a minor. Yeah. And the 18-year-old girl that was part of it, I did forgive her through social media. She Mm -hmm. begged me to forgive her. I did. The two adults, the mom and dad that were involved, like, I can't. But it's where I started the foundation to be able to support and inspire actions to end bullying, cyberbullying, and suicide. And so I use all of that energy, all of that that I felt, and then I use it to be able to go out, share Megan's story, not to keep Megan alive. I know where Megan's at. It's to be able to use her story to connect to others, to be able to give them a voice, to be able to give them that understanding of their lives matter, that what they're going through is not okay and they don't just have to take it. It's to get parents to understand those kids that come home and are struggling that to be able to listen to them, actively listen and validate. And so the, that's the reason why this foundation, it's why probably when people hear me, they say, you know, you're strong and you have conviction. It's probably because I take all of that energy that I felt on that other end. Mm-hmm. And it is why it matters so much to me to be able to go out and connect and help one by one by one. I can't change the past, but we all have an ability to be able to take our, life stories, the things we've gone through, share it with another to be able to let them know they're not alone, that they matter. Thank you. I love You're that. You're welcome. Um, and thanks for sharing that. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, sometimes our traumas propel us to make a change so that someone else doesn't have to go through that. 
And that's why I love when we first met, I was like, oh, we're going to be friends. I can already tell. <laughs> um, I knew on day one. Um, because we both worked in nonprofits and we know those struggles just in general. Oh, yes. <laughs> but not that we do similar work, but our work definitely um, uh, has some intersectionality in it in the fact that, you know, we're dealing with some of the same community members, but we're dealing with some of the same issues. And so I think sometimes... Like, people were like, why did you be a part of Pride? Like, what what was the drive? And I was like, because I remember feeling alone and not knowing where to go. Right. And I wanted to help create a sense of community so that other little young Gaysons out there uh, don't feel alone. Because, you know, I, I, obviously my story is different, but there was still trauma. There were still times where, and I have talked about this with my friends before, there were times where I was ready to take my own life. Like, I knew I had a plan. Like I had the letter written at one point, like I was ready to go uh, because life was just getting too much and I didn't want to accept who I was. And, you know, I was getting all these horrible things said to me and done to me and talked about. And I remember guys used to call my house because girls would call them and say, Oh, Jason Dunn likes you. And they would call and they'd talk to my mom and she'd be like, I don't know, some guy from school called. And I was like, why? Why? And then I realized, Oh, they were pulling a prank. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think when I, when, you know, pride first started, like I was like, what's your, what's your selfish goal? And I was like, my selfish goal is to make sure that there's not another little Jason in a small town, not feeling like there's support and to be able to help create that sense is great because will we ever end it? I don't know. Right. I don't know. But can we make a change while we're still here? Yeah. Can we inspire others to make that change? Yeah, and sometimes it takes us sharing that horrible pain that we have inside for people to kind of wake up and go, oh, wow. You know, for a parent that doesn't want to accept their kid's sexuality or, or gender identity, what, what's the other option? Right. Are they going to, they're not going to, ch- they can't change who they are. Right. What's the other option? Do you want them around or don't you? Right? And right. It's, it's horrible to say it like that, but it's like, what? How do we fix it? So, I don't know. That's why I felt like as soon as we met, like, I was like, oh, we, we good. We good. We know each Yeah, other. I just, I guess I've never understood. Uh, yes, we were raised in this world of where everything is put in a box. You are male or you are female. If you are female, you play with pink. If you are male, you play with boys or, you know, blue toys and male dominant toys. Mm-hmm. And then... You must play football if you're male, and you, yep. you need to cheerlead if you're a girl. Yep. And then you need to get married, and you need to have three kids and two dogs. And then it's like the parents can take a bow, and they have this perfect life, right? Yep. Oh, I've done wonderful. Look at this. It's like if your life doesn't follow that path, then parents, it's kind of like they're bad parents, and oh, my God. And But the reality is... Do you want your kids to be happy? Do you mm-hmm. want your kids to? I would rather live in a world where my kids would be happy and authentically them and accepted and know that they can come and, you know, have a space to be loved than feeling like they have to be something else. I, I guess I've never understood how families can cut their children just because of their sexuality just because they are gay. I mean, there's no way I'm grateful that there are phenomenal families out there Mm -hmm. that are open and accepting and 
loving, and it may not be the path that you thought when you first had children, right? Yep. It could be a different path, but that path can still have love and acceptance. It just changes a bit. And that's what, so that's why we just keep pushing, right? I mean, there's no other option. You can't, I refuse to fail. I mean, I refuse Eminem's like song, you know, that, that song of failure is not an option Mm -hmm. because failure means that you're losing your voice. You're giving up on things that matter. And it means that you're giving up on somebody who maybe doesn't have a voice yet and needs to know that they matter. Yeah. So it's not an option. It just means that sometimes in nonprofit, sometimes in these working with kids who are going through the really, really rough times can be hard emotionally and physically hard, but you pick yourself up because you know that it's going to matter. It's going to make a difference. And so through what you did at pride and, through all of that, the number of kids that you touched and the parents that you touched and all of that, you'll probably never know. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's the same with you, with what you're doing, because you're you're bringing awareness to something that people are like, oh, it's bully. It's bully culture. Right. Oh, bullies. Yeah. You know, everybody's got a bully. We all deal with it. We just, it makes us stronger. Right. Oh, no, yeah. it can actually have so much lasting damage. Yes. Um, I was talking with, uh, with guesty bestie Tiffany a long time ago about the fact that no matter what, every time I get ready to make a public speech or I present in a classroom setting or, you know, I do my job at work, there is this small echo of a memory of me getting ready to talk in front of class and somebody calling me a faggot. And I immediately, every time, it doesn't matter how long I've done this and how many times I do it, it's still there. And that anxiety is still there because I'm like, what if they say something? And now I'm just, I'm like, okay, but if they say something, cool. You know, I just, I've decorated for Christmas. Oh, yes, he has. (laughs) Tina's gotten to see (laughs) almost everything done. But I was talking about how, you know, in my bedroom, I have a rainbow tree behind me as a backdrop. And so if somebody were to say something, all I do is just roll away and be like, yeah, I am. Let's move on. But even though I have that, era of confidence like the air not era the air of confidence there's still those memories of somebody's gonna make fun of you right and i don't know if i'll ever get over that honestly i don't know if that's something that's ever gonna go away just because of you know i remember having to walk differently down the hallways and make sure my hands never bent down in any way to have a limp wrist and i remember having to talk deeper and trying to hide anything that would let anyone know that I was slightly effeminate and it wasn't like I said it wasn't until later in school that I was just like well there's nothing I can do about my voice it's clearly never gonna get super deep right I mean I I always make fun of it like I can put on my straight voice and I'm always like hold on let me see if I can do it real quick (laughs) sup bro But it's, you know, I, I, I remember going to job interviews and having questions asked of me in a way to determine whether or not I was gay. And I knew what they were doing. Hmm. Um, I remember one lady asked me if I had a wife. And my hands were clearly on the table where you could see I had no ring. 
Right. And I and I looked at her and she was like, oh, I'm just trying to get to know you. And I was like, well, as you can see on this piece of paper that says I have a master's in HR, you know, that's, that's a question. Yeah, that's illegal. You can't right. ask me that question. And she looked at me and I go, if you're wanting to ask a question, because I didn't care at that point because I was like, I'm not getting this job. Right. I was like, if you want to know something, just ask it. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I was just, and I go, no, what did you want to know? And I ended up getting hired anyway. And she, you know, I was out. So it was fine. Right. But I remember at another company, um, it was a video store. Ugh, such a horrible job. Worst company ever. Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't Blockbuster. It was a third-rate, third-tier, craptacular, family-style store that rented videos. That's a great way of putting it. Family I video. I would have to call them out. <laughs> um, but the guy at the time that was interviewing me, uh, we were on the sales floor. And there was a movie playing in the background. It was Angelina Jolie. And for some reason, we both looked over at the same time. And he's like, she's pretty hot, isn't she? And there was a long pause. And I was like, she's a great actress. And he looked at me. And we paused for a while. And then he continued on. And a few months later, I, was ta- I got the job. And I was talking to my manager. And she was like, I have some feedback but it's not from me. And I go, what? And she was like, certain people want you to remember the region that you're in and to adjust your personality to better fit in with the customers that we have here. Oh. And I go, are you saying that I can't be, she's like, I'm not saying anything. I'm mad that I have to give you this feedback, but I have to give you this feedback. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. So instead of supporting me, mm-hmm. first of all, don't hire me then. Cause right. know, it's not like I was protected then anyway. You could have just been like, this guy, get rid of him. Right. But just remember going through that and, and, and knowing that there were times in interviews where I specifically never said um, pride. I never said uh, if they asked any type of get to know you questions, I purposely kept pronouns as they, or I, I never would indicate, you know, anything that would talk about my sexuality because I didn't want that to become a focus. There was another company. It's a larger company. It's a mental health company. And I'll never forget, you know, I had the interview over the phone and I got hired and then I, I met my boss over the phone. And when I came in, it was probably a, a month, a month in, I guess. I finally kind of started to come out a little bit at work about being gay. And I'll never forget. One of the girls said to me, Oh, we already knew. And I was like, Oh, you probably could tell on the day you know, I started blah, blah, blah. And she was like, Oh no, our boss told us she went like this. And she said, um, he's fancy. And I'm, I'm limping my wrist right now to everyone. So that she outed me before I even got to the job. Oh, and I remember just standing there and I saw one of my friends look at me and she was like, yeah, I thought it was really shitty that she did that. And the other people were like, oh, like nobody really got like why that was so offensive. But I remember sitting down and just being like, damn, why would you do that to somebody? Right. Like you didn't have to say any of those things. You could have just said he's got a, he's a really bubbly personality. You know, he's funny, whatever. But why, why the hand gesture? Right. Why did you need to, first of all, you don't know just because somebody has an effeminate voice doesn't mean that they're gay. 
Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like so, or if if a female presenting person has a deep voice, doesn't mean that they're a lesbian. Like it doesn't make any sense. When I first met you, it wasn't. I didn't know. It wasn't like I'm walking in and looking around. Who's the who gay? Is straight. Who is gay? <laughs> who is lesbian? Who? It wasn't that. Right. It was just we were all working, and then you started talking about pride, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it you know really came out. But other than that, it wasn't like. It was something that I could really tell. Yeah. So for that, I think it's, it does suck. And it's like, I guess, because it takes me back to like, I think about those people and I go, what were you like as kids? Right. Because I feel like if you didn't change then, you, you have to make a conscious decision, I think, as an adult to change your behavior. Oh, right. Right. And maybe, there are a lot of people that don't. There are a lot of people that don't. Right. I've talked to a lot of friends who during the pandemic, you know, I said, okay, so I lived by myself. There's a lot of me time where I really did a lot of self-reflecting in the past year and a half, two years of like, where, what are the things that you want to work on with you? What are the things you think might be viewed negatively? And I was like, well, I can't not be a bitch. Like that's just part of my personality. (laughs) And it's not that I'm being a bitch. I'm just very sarcastic. Right. But I'm also, I stand up for myself, um, as you have seen, where I'm like, hold up. Like, you can't say that. That's not what this means. Like, and you and I both have put people in place who outrank us by a whole different level where we're like, no, that's not okay what you just said. Let me tell you why that's not okay. And you're going to listen as to why that's not okay. And, but we made those conscious choices you've made a choice. Did you go vengeance or did you take this horrible thing that happened to you and you're trying to make things better because of it? You had two options. You chose this one, right? That vile human being had two options and chose the wrong one. Right. Right. Like it's, if it's something between the kids, let the kids work it out. Right. We don't need to be involved unless there's someone like this. I don't know. I don't know if there's fight. I don't know. Right. But like, why did you take it upon yourself? Well, it's because you're a trash human. You are a garbage person. I can say that you're garbage. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of it that there's a lot of people. I mean, first of all, if you go back to that job that you had, I mean, so what makes that person in a small community the fucking manager of a family video? <laughs> I mean, really, if you look back at that, like, that's ridiculous. That's worthless. What a joke. I know. He sits just... there and scans fucking boxes of dollar candy. <laughs> and they're not even in business anymore. So, you know, uh, kick rocks. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's the thing that I always find so screwed up in our world. That people think because they have a job or a position mm-hmm. that they are the be-it-all I don't give a shit who you are, right? (laughs) You are no better than me, no better than anybody else, that we all have a right to be able to be in this space and use our voice Mm -hmm. in a right way. doesn't mean we have to be vulgar or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. but we have a right. And I don't care what position you hold, what money you have or don't have. If you're a dick, you're a dick. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh my gosh, that's the quote of the episode. If you're a dick, you're a dick. That's the, the deal. I mean, so it just is never, you know, I, I don't, I, I, 
I do have to sometimes when like something like that is being said and think this is coming from Podunk Town, mm-hmm. manager of family video, and you've got to be joking. And yeah. he probably spends half the time in the back dark room anyways. Yep, yep, yep. they have the dark, they have the, uh, well, they didn't have the, they had the, the adult section. Adult section. Yeah, yeah, which was gross, by the way. Yeah. I have so many stories about that place that maybe <laughs> I'll tell them on another podcast. Um, no one's ever so, going to look at the foundation the same way. I, well, think, no, that's, I wanted to nuts. talk about this real quick because... <laughs> There's some. Can, can you talk about the exciting thing? Are we allowed to talk about it now? The, What's the exciting thing? The 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 thing that you just went to in California. Oh yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm but very excited like little... because you are, you're, you're um, gosh, how do I want to put this? You are becoming a Hollywood icon. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. In my yep. mind. Yeah. And there is a film that was made. Uh, inspired is inspired probably like yeah the, the it was, thing, it's a short film short film inspired yeah. by Megan's story yeah and but it's, even before that like ABC Family did that movie Cyberbully was based on Megan's story really yeah did they talk to you or did they yeah. just oh they did oh, yeah okay, okay. yeah I, this so one I read just sounds the script better, and all so. that oh you this, did yeah I like <laughs> changed the wording on some of the script and the words that I didn't like because mm. I had creative rights to it oh. I need to go back and find I bet I can find this on YouTube. Yeah, Emily Osment is like the girl that was in Hannah Montana. Yeah. The friend. Yeah, she was the one that played it. But Oh my god, so it's just called Cyberbully? Yeah, Cyberbully. I'm gonna go watch it in my car. <laughs> so there's this new one that was created yes. that to me, um, I found a really your foundation shared a really awesome article from The Sun. Oh yeah. Um, and I read it. it Might have made me tear up a little bit. Uh, I shared it with one of my friends uh, who doesn't live here, who has no idea about the story, and we've talked about you. And he was like, I just don't understand. Right. And I was like, I know. And he also said some other things that we'll talk about off the air. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but he was like, I, I, I really hope that we get to see the movie because it's a short film. Right. And it's called From Under the Bridge When Bullies Become Trolls. Right. Okay. And um, can you talk to about that process? Did they they reached out to you first? Yeah. So Paul is the you know he's the one that really wrote the film, the mm-hmm. producer. And when all of it happened with Megan years ago, he knew about Megan's story, followed Megan's story, and then he wrote the film. But. It wasn't until it kind of like got put in a back pocket and he was doing all kinds of other things. And then he brought this film back out again and decided he wanted to make this this film, short film. And he said that they had already done a lot of the acting, picking the people out, doing all of that. Well, it was on Megan's birthday last November 6th. And for whatever reason, they weren't done shooting all of it. He just felt the need, like he needed to call me. Called the office. I wasn't in the office. I think I was speaking that day. And I called him back. And sometimes we will get calls and it could be a little odd. Um, Sometimes we get, especially with Megan's story being out there in the media at times, Mm -hmm. we will get calls sometimes from people who have intellectual disabilities So especially if they are um, autistic and 
they really can focus on like the details of mm-hmm. they will know every single thing, which is great. We talk to them, we listen to them, but sometimes we can get ones that are a little off that right. can be make you feel like, okay, this is like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I always vet these calls. And because they said he was crying when he was talking, I'm thinking, oh man, what, what is going Mm -hmm. on? I called him back and he was like, listen, here's, here's what I've been doing. I've, you know, had this film and it was based on Megan and what happened to her. And we're working on this film now. And I just, I don't know what I even wanted except for to connect to you, to talk to you, to share this with you. And I know you're going to think I'm weird and I'm a nut and I'm all this stuff, but I really am genuine. And so um, he asked if I would Zoom with the cast. And so I said, sure, I'll Zoom with the cast. So I Zoomed with the cast and they were all phenomenal. I mean, really good. And he really wanted them to connect to be able to see this is the story I've been talking to you about. This is the mom. And so... Um, and then Paul flew out to St. Louis, came to our office, um, and spent a couple of days here. And he's just, he is genuine. He really cares. And, um, it's not that we're getting money. It's not, a lot of times Mm -hmm. people think, oh, you're getting all this money. Yeah. No. So much money. Oh, please. (laughs) So much money. No, it's not. It's the fact, the whole reason that. Um, he came out here and then I flew to LA is yes, he did pay for my flight and he did pay for the hotel. I rented a car and I like that you clarified that. Like I was like, well, there are people that think that have said, Oh, "Oh, you're sick and you're disgusting for making money off your daughter's death. I've heard that before. Um, it's a, so, it's, a, it's a nonprofit, y'all. Oh, God. You have no yeah. idea how nonprofit, real nonprofits. Oh, we just went through our audits in 990s. Everything is transparent, every yeah. dollar. So, yeah. guess what? Yeah. Anybody could come in and look at our books. It's all on our website. Yeah. But, yeah. at any rate, you know, I went down there and I thought, okay, this is going to be really nice. It's going to be a 20 minute film. And so I went to the film festival and, you know, the actors and actresses were there and they're, they're phenomenal. Um, and I went in not really knowing what the short film world was, but it was a festival mm-hmm. of other short films. And it was, was it, so I think I, I tried to write down the name of the festival. Was it the Awareness Film Festival? Was yes. that the name of it? Okay. Yes. All right. And so it was about mental health. So this mm. section was all on mental health and we watched all of these in a row. So we oh, okay. went into a, a theater with all of the other filmmakers and directors and actors and actresses, and we watched them all in a row. And I thought, I've talked, I mean, I know Megan's story through and through, right? You you know, I'm, I'm going to be just fine. And then I watched it, because I had never watched it full all the way through. Mm. I'd seen like bits and pieces of it. And... Yes, I was definitely in tears because in 20 minutes, they were still able to get that feeling of what it feels like, you know, when a kid is really struggling and then, you know, in school and then thinks that somebody likes them and then wants to, you know, feel accepted and then find out that it's not real and the attempting to take their own life and, um, they did a really good job. They were able to develop characters and, 
you could really understand all of these different depths, even from the the kids that were picking on this girl mm-hmm. in the, the film. You could see where they were coming from, that they were going through crap, and they took it out on somebody else. And so, yeah, I mean, it did win the film festival, which was great. Mm-hmm. I saw it one like with the grand jury prize. Yes, right? yep. Um, but it was, it's, I think, you know, so I sat down with the guy from The Sun, and, you know, he was like, what do you think? What do you feel about this? And I said, you know, this type of, because it's short, because it can hold people's attention, this now, this film can now be able to go into schools. It yeah. can now be able to start getting some dialogue, getting us, if, we, if the film was just done and it was done and over with and it, it could be out, that, that would be sad. It really needs to be able to have more dialogue and more mental health awareness, more in school so we can talk. And so there's a plan of being able to maybe do something with the act or two of the actors, the lead actor and the lead actress. Mm -hmm. Um, He plays the real bully, but he is the coolest guy ever. Um, And she plays like the Megan's part and Mm -hmm. she's just a doll Um, to maybe go into schools where we can start doing some blocks of schools playing it and then having their perspective and now being able to, talk to kids about what they're feeling, what they're thinking and realizing those different sides, how it can really be traumatic. And that's, that's the hope. I love this. I want to see it. It's good. It's good. I know that they went to London Mm -hmm. to be able to show it to Paul's old school. Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah. And then once they get it out of all of the film festivals, then we can bring it here. Mm, Okay. So yeah. St. Louis didn't take it. St. Louis didn't accept accept uh, the film. Okay. But L.A. did. And I said, that's fine. I will go to L.A. There's palm trees there. Yeah, it's nicer weather. I am good. Plus, it's where all the actors and actresses yeah. were at, where I got to be able to really sit down and meet with them and the, the songwriters. And, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. And there were so many different directors that made some really good films from Canada and different places. I love a film festival. It was... That is a dream of mine is to put on a LGBTQ plus film festival here in our city. Yeah. It is a dream. It is... The amount of work that's involved in it is insanity. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's... If I were to start another passion project, I yes. think that would be it. Um, and it would be a lot. But... Uh, oh, wow. you can do it. <laughs> you can do well, it <laughs> it's too much work um i don't know it's on i have i have thoughts of things to do in the future now that i have a little bit more free time um but that's that's what i love about this like i love the fact that there's this so as a trainer that's my job i'm a corporate trainer and we look at different ways of learning and as we evolve as people so like kids learn from lecturing they learn from whatever right but there's this push now for digital media content right like learning from podcasts learning from short snippets of videos now you're seeing people teach on tiktok where it's a two to three minute short video that you can watch repeatedly so when you have an opportunity like this where it's only yeah it's 20 minutes right but if it's 20 minutes of boom i've caught your attention 
Right. Now we get to dialogue about it afterwards. It's it's brilliant because it is it's the way that kids are learning now more, and it's also changing the way that adults are having to learn. Right. Right. So I'm super excited. I can't wait to you invite me to a screening. I would love it. I mean, Paul will definitely be coming back and. Once he gets done with the stuff, and we'll definitely, you know, do something because he's helping write the book too. Oh, there's the so, book. We did not talk about been, this. Yeah, it's been a long time. I Ma'am. I can speak all day, every day. You ask me to put pen to paper, and I suck. Struggles the same. Struggles yes, the it's same. bad. Well, you let Gavin with Gason know what they can do to help out because you know we make so much money on this podcast. <laughs> I, I have thoughts that we'll talk about off the air. Okay. Um, that I would be uh, happy to help with on some things. So, oh my gosh. Do you know that we've been going now for almost two hours? I Isn't told you crazy? I could talk, right? Right. Well, so can I. And I was like, I'm not, I'm over here going, I'm not cutting a damn thing. This is going to be a long episode and that's fine. Um, gosh, that's why I love when we talk. That's why we, after our, we met working for a, group of folks to help promote equality there we yes go. and um we always are the last two almost to leave every meeting because it's you and i talking about all the stuff that we deal with and then all the of things the, that we're trying to change right all of the crap that you have to get through <laughs> just to do the right thing i think right? you and i well for me and i've told you this before like i look up to you because i've learned so much from you just from a non-profit leadership standpoint, there are things that, that I was like, oh, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing this. Why aren't we doing this? I don't even know what that means. When you say that, I'm like, I don't know what that means. I need to go look it up because Tina thinks I'm smart and I got to go know what she's talking about. <laughs> uh, I do think you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lie. And um, I'm smart with Google. Yeah, well, oh, yeah me too. You know? I am. I can Google with the best of them. <laughs> but um, I think for me, the past... Was it four years we've been working together now? God, at least, yeah. Four or five almost. Yeah. I have learned so much about... I'm, try- I'm trying to watch my words. I've learned so much about how things get done. There right. we go. On a government level. Right. That it honestly turns my stomach and it, I just... You know, it took us three years to get one thing done. Right. Three years. And I say us, as in you, me, and, and I give a shout out to Ed because, and Chuck, because we've been there the longest. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine that it took that long. And and I keep looking at the things that we could, well, it didn't matter. It's a whole different podcast. Right. But just the amount of time that it takes for change to happen on a bureaucratic scale versus on a social scale, like what right. you're doing. So I'm super pumped. I was really excited. Honestly, that article is amazing. I'm going to link it in the show notes so everybody can go out and read it. And then I'll also, of course, link the foundation on there. So sure. um, y'all accepting donations, right? Always. That's what I thought. <laughs> Please, if you, I mean, I, now's our normal time that I beg for money in a minute. But uh, this holiday season, take a second and uh, donate to a nonprofit, and I think that um, everyone uh, I know there's thousands of listeners out there to this show uh, <laughs> but take a second and 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 donate to the to the Megan Meyer Foundation because um, I it, it's the work that you do is truly fantastic it's truly amazing and it's life-changing and um, it's every nonprofit is great yes right but not every nonprofit is successful in what it does 
and there's always like a, a different nonprofit out there that's waiting to start. And this is one of those that I think needs to be around for a very, 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 very long time. So, uh, you know, just I hope take... it's beyond my lifetime. That's my goal. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, so again, you know, just go out and I'm sure there's a way on the website to donate, correct? Oh, yeah. Every yeah. every nonprofit should have a donate Absolutely button, Absolutely right? <laughs> they should. So uh, definitely go check that out. And like I said, I'll link it. And, um, you know, uh, maybe you need to – maybe you work for a school district that should have uh, a representative from the Megan Meyer Foundation come in and talk. Yeah, or on our website, like, you can – there's tons of – so if you have students doing projects or you want to learn more, there's tons of statistics. Or even if you have a child that's going through something and no matter where you live, you can call our office, email our office. We will listen, support, provide any support and resources. We don't charge anything for that. So Ugh. if there's anyone that is like, struggling. Wait, you don't? What? No. <laughs> that has a kid that's struggling or needs help or is not sure what to do or how to work with the school. We will help in any way that we can. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Normally we talk about like what we've binged, but I feel like it's not even important. I don't know. Yeah. Um, did you have any joy recently? Something that's made you super happy besides, I mean, or was here, it Here, being here. I know. I am a joyful bitch. <laughs> 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 I mean, honestly, that's been mine. I've been putting up Christmas decorations, but yeah. um, if I don't... I know that you aren't a fan of, of Christmas, and that's okay. We talked yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, I think it's beautiful, and I'm glad people love it. Yeah. It's just... I mean, mine's beautiful. It is beautiful. Well, so one of the things that I like to do is um, when I put up my tree, that is on I know, a rotating pedestal. I know, except you're going to... I've noticed that the one branch keeps nailing poor Snoopy's head I know, each time. I can't... So we're going to have to like lift that sucker up. Yeah, there's a couple that need to be fixed. <laughs> So my tree is, uh, this is how Christmas insane I am. I went out and bought a rotating tree stand because I believe every inch of your tree should be seen. <laughs> See, I like the fact of the back corner because then you don't have to put ornaments on that. No, thing. <laughs> that's a shame. It's all that space. So as I was putting up ornaments and this happens every year and I, it's more and more as I've gotten older and older, I remember who gave me the ornament and I have like a quick little memory as I'm hanging it. Aww. And I feel like it's my own TV show. We're doing a, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing a flashback episode, but I do. <laughs> I remember all of these ornaments were like when I bought them and what it meant, like where I was at in my life. Cause there are ornaments that I call relationship ornaments from like friends or from exes or trips with exes. And I'm like, well, that person was a piece of trash. However, <laughs> that was a great trip uh, because of this or whatever. So, uh, and then if you notice, there's a He-Man section right there at the very top of the tree. Oh, yeah. uh, because you also, for the first time, got to see the He-Man room. That is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I think that's your joy for the day. Was it is right my there? joy. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's I impressive. said for anybody to have that much joy in their life to do and dedication is amazing. Yeah, it's it's my dream. I love it. I love it. Um, real quick before we, we officially say goodbye, cause we are, we are hitting on that two hour mark. It's an extra special episode <laughs> of Gabbing with Gason. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick. Uh, okay. 
There's a lot going on in the Gabbing with Gason world. And if you want to keep up with it, please make sure that you go to our official website, gabbingwithgason.com, where you can listen to all of our past episodes. So if you've heard a name mentioned by me today, like Guesty Bestie Tiffany or or anybody that, you know, like Chuck, there are episodes you can find on our website. You can actually just search on the website, type in Chuck's name. You can go find the episodes that Chuck has been on. Um, but check out gabbingwithgason.com because it's the holiday season. That's right. <laughs> it's time for holidays, which means if you have not been listening this past year, and shame on you if you haven't, to my other podcast, Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason, now is the time to binge it. Uh, there's tons of episodes. We have all of last season, all of this season. It is myself and a cast of ridiculous characters, including the always intoxicated Mrs. Claus, who will help you make delicious holiday treats. Uh, she does actually cook while we're recording, and it is a hot mess every time. Wait, is this you? Yes, they're so, all played by me. <laughs> so it's like the clumps. Yeah. She's, yeah, she, she talks like this. It's wonderful. So Eddie Murphy. Yes. Okay, gotcha. I just go into my kitchen, Tina. It's fine. You have you come over and I have some sherry. So Mrs. Oh, Claus is on and she makes holiday fun time treats. You've got Mrs. Nesbitt, the North Pole librarian who talks. Uh, she's newer to the show. She just premiered last month. She talks about uh, holiday romance novels and tells you whether or not they're uh, erotic enough to make a hot and bothered. <laughs> so uh, she's there. You've got Naughty Ned, the elf, who will give you some white elephant Christmas gift suggestions. And I can't do his voice. I'm sorry. It's an app. And uh, Christmas Carol, everybody's favorite drag queen, comes on. And there was a six-part series that she did telling you how to plan the perfect parody. So, you know, if you need to plan a perfect party, you got to go listen to Christmas Carol because she'll tell you exactly what to do. Uh, and then I always bring on a guesty bestie special co-host to come on and we do a review of a classic or not so classic Christmas special, either from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or the early 2000s. And uh, guesty bestie Kyle will be on this month for that. That always airs on or around December. I'm sorry, always on or around the 24th of every month. So there is plenty of time to catch up get yourself in the holiday spirit listening to that show so make sure you go and find it uh hit subscribe so you always know when those episodes come out and uh of course you should be subscribing now to gabbing with gason because that's ridiculous you should be listening to every episode of this show if you need a little spookiness in your life maybe christmas is not your thing mm -hmm. um Check out uh, our Halloween Spooktacular for 2021, uh, where we interviewed uh, the absolutely most fantastic couple that I've ever met, Sydney and John, as we talk about their house and all the ghosts and spirits that are in their house or were in their house and in their lives. Uh, it was It's a fascinating, fun special, so you have to check that out if you haven't already. Um, maybe that'll give you some sanity during uh, Thanksgiving. And of course, the newest addition to my life, uh, I am co-host of another podcast called The Missing Movie Club with some of your favorite guesty bestie co-hosts that have been on my show, guesty bestie Pamela, guesty bestie John, and guesty bestie Chris. And I sit around once a month and watch a movie that one of us or more have never seen. And uh, so far, the past two were movies that I had never seen. And we talk about them. We don't just talk about them. We talk about them. Who would ever thought that we would have a deeply, uh, dis a very deep discussion psychologically about the animated movie Trolls 
as we really delve deep into the psyche of a troll and discuss whether or not your emotions uh, are coping mechanisms and things like that. So you can go to the Missing Movie Club. Uh, if you actually want to go to that website, it's missingmovieclub.com. Check us out there. And of course, you can find that podcast and all of my podcasts on every major podcasting uh, application. So whether you're listening on Google Podcasts or Anchor or uh, Squadcast or I don't know, there's so many, I don't even remember what they all are, but there's a lot out there. So go find me on them and listen. And if you want to support the show, because let's face it, you should. We've been going for a while now. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you can become a Patreon supporter. And if you do that, uh, there are different levels that you can donate each and every month. Uh, you can say, you know, we are the home, Tina. I don't know if you know this. We're the home of the 99 cent podcast because that's all the entertainment value I can afford to give you. <laughs> so if you'd like to donate a dollar a month, uh, first off, you'll get a fantabulous uh, official Gabbing with Gason sticker. And uh, you get Patreon-exclusive content, which means bonus episodes that only my Patreon folks get to listen to. And they're a little bit, uh, they might be a little bit more risque than this show. Uh, <laughs> also, other kinds of fun levels of different things that you can get with Gabbing with Gason. If donating a dollar a month or more is not your thing, we do have an Amazon wish list that you can actually go out and purchase items to help the uh, podcast succeed. So there are things on there like microphone covers and cables and books for Mrs. Nesbitt. Cause I really want to get the one that's called like Mr. Frosty pants or something. I don't know. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> uh, so there's lots of things out there that you can do that as well. And of course you don't have to do anything. We just love doing the show, but if you want to help out, that'd be fantastic. My gosh, I think I hit everything. That's a lot to remember everything. Did you notice there, there was, was no script lot. for that? There's no script. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, do you want to come back? I want you to come back on the show again. Sure. Okay, I can't wait to talk more. We'll talk more about gay dating. Oh, God. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> like, it's, it's so fascinating because... Yeah, it's I'm just... going to bring you back on. I keep threatening to do round robin episodes where I bring in more than one guest. Oh, that would be I'm fun. I'm going to definitely bring you on with somebody. I think it'll be super fun. Especially, yeah, yeah I think I want to bring you on with guesty bestie Kristen. And I, okay. Yeah. Let me, I, I'm working on some things. It'll be later in the year, but yeah, that so would be much fun. For, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Oh. Well, I love you. I love the show. And... Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. And I mean, I got... My joy is honestly that He-Man room. I, right? Yes. It is. Uh, I told you that I had more stuff coming out of where it's going to go. I don't either. I really don't. I don't know. It's starting to vomit out into the rest of the parts of the house. So, or the, it's the beautiful. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, as we end every episode, please remember to be loud, be proud, be bold, be brave. And of, keys, of course, keep sharing your joy because that's how we get through life's craziness. I will see you in a couple of weeks as we start December. Which means it's Christmas time, <laughs> and we'll do some Christmas episodes. So until next time, everybody, bye. <laughs> bye, Tina. Bye. Seriously, you've never seen that movie before? I don't. I don't think I've seen that. It doesn't really fall in my wheelhouse. Maybe we should get together sometime and watch it. That's why we formed the Missing Movie Club, where we can watch and discuss the movies that some of us mysteriously missed. None of us are celebrities or comedians or claim to be film experts. We're just regular folks who love movies. <laughs> and we hope you'll join us first Thursday of every month on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. Jump onto our website, missingmovieclub.com. And I stole